you know, like the Christian tradition endorses anger and that anger is natural and necessary and it's not a sin to be angry. And I just want to like underline that because I'm pretty sure some people need to hear it and some other people need to be reminded of it, but that it's like what you do, as the article says, with your anger that counts. You're listening to Upside Down Podcast, an ecumenical conversation at the intersection of justice, spirituality, and culture. We've created this space with you in mind. So join us for unscripted conversations on God's Upside Down Kingdom. Welcome to episode 65 of Upside Down Podcast. I am Kayla Craig, and I'm going to be hosting today's ecumenical conversation about anger. And I'm actually really happy to talk about anger. And I'm really happy to do it with my co-hosts, Lindsay Wallace, Elisa Molina, and Gina Celiberto. Hello, friends. Hey there. And I kind of just like casted this vision like, hey, let's talk about anger. And these ladies are like, just willing enough to be like, all right, Kayla, whatever, let's see where this goes. So <laughs> I'm really excited. But before we dive into this episode, I just want to give a shout out to every single person who makes this podcast possible. Because Upside Down Podcast is 100% listener funded. Thank you. We have so many things that we would love to accomplish. And we're dreaming and we're exploring what that could look like. And Everything that we do is because of the community support that we have, and we are just so grateful. So if you'd like to throw a couple bucks our way to help keep this podcast free and free of ads, um, all you have to do is go to Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Upside Down Podcast, or visit UpsideDownPodcast.com and just click give in the upper right hand corner. And while you're there, you can find bonus episodes and other thank yous for our supporters. Thank you so much for making conversations like these possible. We couldn't do it without you. So we're just going to jump right in. It's what we do every time. We're not we're not going to like give a bunch of small talk. We're just going to pretend like we're all sitting around with coffee or tea or other beverages that shall not be named. And <laughs> I'm just going to spill the beans um, about <laughs> anger, which I think is a really interesting topic, especially for women and especially for Christian women. So to kind of get the ball rolling, I just wanted to throw this question out there. Do not overthink this, but what do you think when you hear the word anger? I just think, man, maybe it's just my, I think maybe it's my age, but Anger now, just to me, uh, it seems like just uh, like the beginning of going somewhere. Like it, it, it's like a ball of energy. Like I don't feel like it has. Like for me, it doesn't have a negative connotation at all. I mean, hmm. I feel like I can handle other people's anger way more than I used. To. Like you know, I just have a. I have a much friendlier relationship than I think I used to with with the word. Hmm. It's not scary. Hmm. I think this is Lindsay, and I just kind of think like, yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> like yeah, anger. Uh huh. That sounds familiar. <laughs> oh my gosh, this this is gonna be so great. <laughs> This is Gina, and I feel like I do have a negative reaction to the word anger, um, but that is not what I was imagining for our conversation here, and so I'm excited to dig in. Okay, so you have to unpack that a little bit more. So mm. what do you mean? 
exactly when you say you feel like you kind of have a negative. Yeah, I feel like when I think of anger, I think of like an angry person who is not like approachable or like being rational. Mm. Wow. And I feel like our conversation here will be approachable and rational. Mm. Well, we'll see. Yeah. And something that I've been thinking about with anger is I've been told a lot in my life, um, either like subconsciously or actually from people that I'm not ever supposed to be angry or that anger is bad. And especially anger from women is bad. Um, and obviously there is, and we'll get into this as we have this conversation, but their anger can have really negative, um, really negative connotations, but it doesn't have to be. So I was just kind of like thinking, what were you taught about anger growing up? Like when you think about where you spent your time at school, at church, with your family, what did you see like modeled? What did you, what messages did you take in? Um, what was told to you? Just like, I'm just thinking about, you know, where we are now all comes from building blocks of who we were and who we were around. That's a really interesting question. As you were speaking, I was thinking about, uh, about the differences between how I kind of thought about anger and the way my husband did. And so I've kind of really taken a lead from him because he doesn't, I guess he doesn't lose his temper very easily. And as, as we had, as we started dating, I realized that, you know, uh, I grew up in a, in a large family. He did too, but, uh, a large extended family I did, but like our, our house was always like, if you were angry, like you, like we, we yell, like you could, you could tell. And that was just not the way his family uh, went about things. Like you, like you didn't yell, you didn't scream. And so I, I distinctly remember the very first time I tried to yell at him. Um, He was dry. We were driving and he just, he literally pulled off to the side of the road and he looked at me and he said, and I'm yelling, I'm mid, like whatever I was ticked off about, he was hearing. And he was like, you know, um, Elisa, we could just like talk about why you're upset. And I literally midstream, I was like yapping, like, like yapping. And I just like, and I looked at him like he was a person from another planet because I was like, wait, (laughs) like, what do you mean we can talk about? And so the differences and how we kind of process that, like I, I really did learn from him that like, yeah, it's okay to be angry. Sure. It's fine. But like, why don't we like talk about why you're angry instead of just yeah. like throw yeah, it, hurl it. it at each other. Um, I, <laughs> not to like talk about in-laws, but I, I do think it's interesting to compare families of origin. I think the way that families use anger, um, you know, there can be healthy ways to do it. You're getting it out there. You're not being passive aggressive. Um, but then there can be really like damaging and toxic ways too. And so that's another thing I'm thinking about is how would you guys define like a healthy anger and then like a toxic anger? I think what, the first thing that comes to mind is the object of your anger. Um, and like... Yeah, the object of it. Because I think if there's like toxic anger, 
um, it's it's almost like the object of that is oftentimes like nebulous and there's nothing good that can come of that. But if but for healthy anger or righteous anger, it's like, okay, I'm angry at this situation or this person because of this thing and it's going to move or propel me in a different direction, like out of the anger. Whereas toxic anger, it's just like you kind of, it just stews on itself and it doesn't actually lead to anything. Yeah. Um, one of our former guests, which is so fun to say, Christina Cleveland shared an excerpt from decolonizing nonviolent communication by Mina Midachi. I hope I pronounced that correctly, but I wanted to read this because I think it'll kind of give us a framework as we are talking about um, anger as our perspectives as, you know, women and Christians. So it's anger versus toxic anger. Anger that serves is like a flame. It is forward moving and it is bright. When it is acknowledged, it dissipates quite quickly. Toxic anger, on the other hand, lives in our bodies like a poison. It swims in circles with no place to go. Toxic anger is not anger. It is, in truth, a graveyard of grief, a mass gathering of unexpressed feelings and unmet needs, both intergenerational and individual. Systemic conditions disallow impacted folks from expressing grief or heartache. Our move our movement spaces are filled with this toxicity, not because anyone wants to carry it, but because we have not been allowed sufficient time and space to grieve. As individuals and as a collective, our health and well-being depends on our willingness to find space to do it anyway. And I just thought that was really interesting. Oh, yeah. And um, something I've been thinking about is how the word anger can be really weaponized, Um against women mm -hmm. and then against women of color and black women. And there's, you know, like the awful stereotype of like an angry black woman. And it just, um, it's really damaging and wrong. And I'm just wondering if you guys have kind of processed through that and what your thoughts are. Yeah. I mean, I don't think about, I don't have like a family of origin, I don't have very many memories in my childhood, which I should probably talk to my therapist about, but um, I can't like point to a specific time that someone told me I wasn't allowed to be angry, but I have consistently felt um, really all of my life that I was too much and um, that I've often connected to um, like not even being angry, but Kayla, kind of what you're talking about, the way that it's been weaponized against women, like just because I have opinions and because I have thoughts and because I express them and because, you know, I'm animated or whatever, like that to me um, has been connected to the way like that anger has been weaponized. And I think about the angry black woman trope and what most of us don't realize is that that stereotype is literally almost 200 mm. years old. And so it's been around for a long, long time. Um, and yeah, I mean, I feel like Christina nails it on the head. I love the way that she talks about how it stems from grief um, and that anger comes from not having space to grieve um, because what, you know, counselors and therapists will tell you is that anger is a secondary emotion, right? And so there's something beneath the anger and 
You've maybe seen the iceberg illustration. 10% of an iceberg is actually above the water and the other 90% is below. So that 10% that you're seeing comes off as anger, but what's underneath can be a whole host of other things. Um, And oftentimes that is sadness or grief that hasn't been given space. And so, um, yeah, I think... I think that's a really helpful visual um, and also can be helpful when we're dealing with other people who are angry. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That was actually what I was just about to say in listening to that quote and listening to what you're saying, Lindsay, it, it almost, it almost is such a good way to um, not react not be so reactionary when somebody is really angry. Um, but to like that iceberg analogy is really, is really helpful in, in, and just, and just knowing that part of the anger could be that there wasn't time or space to grieve properly over something. Um, this is like the first time I've ever heard anybody speak about anger in this way. Hmm. That's interesting. Mm. How do you feel like people normally speak about anger? Well, I think Kayla, like to, to your point, it, it, it does, it does a lot of times for women, you know, I think just now it is when we've started having conversations about what, when a woman, when a woman does it, it's, it's, you know, angry. And when a man does it, you know, it's powerful or assertive, you know, I, these conversations Mm -hmm. that I hear more and more, you know, the differences between being bossy Mm -hmm. and direct, um, these, the way that we kind of project these things onto women, um, you know, I I think that these are the conversations I've kind of been having with Mm -hmm. my daughters as, as silly as it sounds like Taylor Swift just came up with a song that's like, you know, if I was a man, these are the things that would be totally and utterly acceptable. And these are the things that nobody would ever question or ask me about. Mm -hmm. But because I'm a woman, you know, they're asking me what I'm wearing, if I'm prude, all of these things. And so um, these are conversations that are so timely and are so helpful for me to like prepare not only myself, but like my daughters and my sons about how to listen and how to use words Hmm. better than we have. It's, it's interesting. And Gina, I want to get your input because you said, I think we'll talk about this in a rational way. So, Hmm. um, um, because I think a lot of people say if there is anger and passion, that that's not, you're not being rational. Um, and I, I was, doing kind of some reading and, you know, happened to read something else that Christina Cleveland wrote. And it was an interview. And this, this person kind of like asked her like, well, how do we balance like our emotional side with our rational side? And she's like, well, we really need to pay attention to our emotions because they're powerful and they're informative. And uh, when, when somebody says like, you need to be rational. It's a lot of times a power person in power who's using that language to oppress a less powerful person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like we've heard that idea, like they're angry protesters. Well, like, yeah. yeah. What, and this goes back to like what you were saying, Lindsay, like, why are they angry? Like they're not just 
late having road rage and late right. late for a meeting and throwing around papers in the office like this is there's something a lot more and I think there's like a language behind that of mm-hmm. like I'm more um and Christina talks about this Dr. Cleveland talks about this but like it's like well we're more intelligent and um and it can be a way to silence people um and yeah. obviously like anybody who is does not have power um so yeah i think that's yeah it's just really interesting i mean in a lot of ways that's said about all emotion right like i mean people talk about that's why we can't have a female president because women are too emotional um which is just ridiculous and i love what christina says like our emotions are not bad like (laughs) they're messengers they tell us what we think we need them and god gave them to us like that I don't know this idea that like we should be emotionless or that emotions are bad. And I get like, I don't know where it comes from, but I assume it comes from this place of, you know, the whole slippery slope language, like be careful. Cause if you get too angry, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, but like we follow mm-hmm. a God who was embodied and who had emotions and who got angry and sad and, you know, like he felt all the things. Um, so it's not the emotion in and of itself mm. that's dangerous. Yeah. I think as I'm listening, uh, two things are coming to mind. So one is over the fall, one of my friends, um, who's a black woman, uh, was, asked not to participate in an activity at her job uh because she's black what? which is workplace harassment uh based on yeah based on race what? and it, yeah it's it was bonkers and then mm-hmm. the workplace was like actually like we realized this was wrong and then instead of being like we are not in a good place we're gonna like cancel this event they were like we invite you back into it and then we're like well it's her prerogative if she wants to come or not because we've now like opened it back up and when she shared that with me, my initial reaction was like, this is really bad. And also like, if you don't go, like if you go, that's really messed up because you're like, you know, that's bad. But, and also if you don't go, I'm worried that it'll be like, well, she's angry and she's an angry black woman. And she just looked at me and she was like, exactly like that. It's exactly right. And I, um, I don't remember having like, Mm -hmm. Yeah, in my own life, I don't like immediately remember strong instances of like being labeled as like an angry woman or a hysterical woman. I'm sure it's happened. Um, but I think because this one was so recent, like the label was so clear to me and the injustice of it was so clear to me. Um, and I've just been thinking a lot about that. And um, and she didn't go what she shouldn't have. But or I think she shouldn't have and she felt she shouldn't have as well. But. Yeah, Yeah, I was thinking about that earlier, Lisa, when you said, like, we're just kind of now starting to have these conversations about anger and the different, like, I love the examples that you used of, like, powerful or assertive or whatever, like, the, the words that are ascribed to men that aren't ascribed to women. But I do think, like, women of color and particularly black women have been having these conversations for a long time. Um, and they've, you know, like known and been the subject of the negativity surrounding anger. Um, and now it's like, you know, crossing it like white, we're now listening <laughs> and paying attention. And now it's crossing over. Um, but I think I've often been told right. 
that I'm angry when I'm actually not angry, mm-hmm. um, which I think is another example of the um, the silencing that people try to do um, and to try to act like, you know, to put the put the less powerful person in their place to to say like oh well you're angry right now like what's wrong with you you're out of control Uh when in reality it's like no this is just the way that I actually am and I have feelings and thoughts and they're valid and I get to be put in cages (laughs) like actually (laughs) oh it's not my out of control emotion it's that this is really unjust like right yeah yeah right exactly Uh yeah like this is like my feelings are valid and in trying to invalidate them you're trying to silence me right um right so yeah that it's like deflect 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 until i wear you down exactly because then not only do i have to explain to you why i'm angry i have to justify my anger and then i have to justify my humanity because emotions are part of me and so it just becomes this like yeah this wearing down and wearing down to where you're like Never mind. Yeah, yeah. It's so <laughs> I true. can't. I can't be in this conversation. How many, anymore, and how many you know? important things have been lost because so many people have been silenced and anger has been weaponized? Yeah. It's awful. Um, I want to like turn the conversation to what we see in John two, uh, because I think it's really interesting what made Jesus angry, and Jesus was angry. Like I don't think that there's like a lot of disagreement a- across theological. Um, you know, we might interpret it differently, but I think we could all agree that there was some anger there. So I want to just read um, what happened in the temple. He found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables, making a whip of cords. He drove all of them out of the temple both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. So what can we see? What can we take a cue from here about what made Jesus angry? I mean, the way that I've heard this passage interpreted is that you know, he's not flipping tables over because it ruined like the worship vibe, but people were profiting off of the poor and benefiting from their poverty and Jesus was not having it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Have you guys heard other interpretations of that passage? I don't remember what I've heard, but what I immediately think is like, um, Mm. the frustration that I sometimes Mm. feel of like feeling like people just don't get it. And I, yeah, that's like what I take from that. And I kind of like, as we've been talking about anger as a result of feeling something for a long time and being silenced or not having been listened to, like I covered, um, when I covered the Families Belong Together March for Think Progress, I like spent so many hours reporting on it and like talked to so many different people and just the number of people who I talked to who were like, whose like parents or grandparents were like, interned as Japanese immigrants or who like were black and had various stories about like and who were just like yeah we've been saying this for years and years and years and years this is the latest atrocity and this is the latest march and it's nice that like we feel like people are listening right now um and I don't remember anyone being angry insofar as like screaming in my face or you know like something like that um or being hostile Mm -hmm. but I do remember this extremely strong sense of like 
they just don't get it. Martin and Luther King Jr. said a riot is the reading. language of the unheard. And I think about that. I mean, Jesus, this was not a riot, but I think to walk into basically like the temple economy and just start, I mean, he's literally like subverting the economy by flipping the tables and pouring the money out. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, yeah, Gina, that goes along with what you're thinking. And just in terms of like the frustration that goes with, um, people not getting it yeah i think we just see like the upside down mm-hmm. kingdom in this right like the kingdom of that For day sure. was let's make money you know let's let's do this let's let's get people you know kind of like that's oh, just it's so interesting it's really funny <laughs> uh because at a, a church that my husband was a pastor at we were gonna do a bake sale for the youth group, this was a long time ago, and a woman got very upset and said it could not be called a bake sale because hadn't we read John 2 and Jesus didn't want money being exchanged in the church. Oh, wow. <laughs> for a youth group. That's a very... Um, <laughs> but, and yet, fundamental. so many... Yeah. <laughs> yes. <Interpretation>. Yeah. <laughs> That's just like a funny side note, but um, I do think, sorry, Kayla, did I cut you off? No, go ahead. I do think, you know, not to be funny, but this is like, I don't think it's a coincidence that this happened at the beginning of the week. And by Friday, Jesus was hanging on a cross. Like there Mm. is something to be said about the seriousness with which the empire takes um, our acts of civil disobedience, speaking truth to power, however you want to think about that or phrase it. Like, I don't think it's a coincidence that within a week Jesus was dead. Um, and so, I don't know. I think that just speaks to the power of of being subversive and how, um, like, serious and deadly and, and, and really spiritual, too, like, that those powers and principalities, mm-hmm. like, are very real and not just these ethereal like spiritual things but also they're in our institutions they're in our oppressive systems and when we flip those or attempt to flip those like we are going to receive blowback from that yeah i think that's so good there was a washington post article and we'll um link to that in our show notes but it came out in 2016 um and now we find ourselves in 2020 so it was really interesting because the person that was writing it was writing it from like a perspective of like a charged political atmosphere and i would say we're probably (laughs) experiencing that today um but but it's really interesting i want to i want to read it um in a political atmosphere charged with rage, Christians are not called to resist the normal impulse to feel angry at so many prov- provocations around us, but Christians are called to examine the objects of our anger critically and honestly. Christians are called to refrain from unjustly seeking vengeance on the ones we blame for our ills, and Christians are called not to dwell in anger, but to move through it toward constructive action. And I just love that because um, as somebody who is was very familiar with anger (laughs) Um, and and the whole spectrum of it. I think sometimes I can get caught up in, um, in the fight, like fight, flight or freeze or fawn um, that, that kind of like fight mentality. And, and Mm -hmm. I know that my brain starts, you know, those of us who have 
studied any sort of like the brain at all but like our amygdala um (laughs) for like you geeks out there who know what that is but like it our brain stops occupying the whole space and it's only occupying in half and we can't (laughs) move forward toward what this person called constructive action um so i think it is like good to also talk about how um you know, like the Christian tradition endorses anger and that anger is natural and necessary and it's not a sin to be angry. And I just want to like underline that because I'm pretty sure (laughs) some people need to hear it and some other people need to be reminded of it, but that it's like what you do as the article says with your anger that counts. So it's super unhealthy to like let anger build and just become like resentful um and just be out of control and obviously like that could be really unhealthy and toxic and bad so what do you guys do when that anger does come to the surface how do you kind of fuel that towards something that's healthy Hmm. i totally wanted to tell you guys this in Voxer, but I'm just going to tell you now because it, it answers this, this question. So like I was, there was something, there's something going on in my community where I just, I just know that it is clearly unjust. And so what I, I face it a lot because I see it a lot. And I, I camped out in, in anger for, for quite some time. Like I was just angry all the time. And I was like, this is not good. I have to do something about it. Like I, let me pray about it. Let me, let me talk to God. And, and it was around Christmas time. And my family went to this place called community first and community first is a master plan community that, um, this man dreamed up of um, tiny homes and a garden and a movie area um, for the chronically homeless, right? And um, I was really grumpy that day when I got invited to a Christmas celebration there. And when I stepped onto this plot of land and was with the community there, like I had no choice but to be joyful. Like there was joy exuding. And so I thought about Alan, Alan Graham, who is the, who is the mastermind behind all this. And that made me think of father Greg of homeboy. And I said to myself, and I think Jesus was really just speaking directly to my heart with this is that they are so inspiring that, that they're around, they're around situations that are completely oppressive and so bad. And they hear like the worst stories, both of these men. But what they did was they decided to do something about it. And in the doing, they have found joy. And so instead of spending all their time being angry at these systems that are terrible, they've turned it into something that they're doing that is just, I mean, those two men are so incredibly joyful. So I was like, okay, how can I take this thing that I'm really angry about and love the people who are being oppressed by the system? Like, what does that physically look like? And, and when I figure it out, I know that it'll be, it'll (laughs) lead me to, to the joy that these two men like exist in. I'm sure they get angry, but for the most Mm. part, it really seems yeah. like I just want to be like around them, you know? So it's like I- I'm just trying to find something like action to do that 
that pulls me out of it and gives mm, me purpose, I guess, gives that anger purpose and meaning. I have two sort of opposite answers, <laughs> which I think speaks to listening to your body. Mm. Um, so if it's something like if what angers me is um, like an email or a text or a DM, I wait at least 24 hours before responding to that. Um because my mouth can get me in trouble. So that's the first thing. But then I think I have always been this way, even as a child, but like I have to move my body, um, which is similar to what you're saying, Elisa, but I mean like I need to go for a run. I need to go to the gym. Like I need to physically get out and do something. Um, and there's actually like we know now from research and whatnot that when people experience um, disasters that they actually are able to work through that trauma quicker if they're able to uh, like rebuild. So if there's a hurricane and people's homes are destroyed, people who are allowed to be a part of the rebuilding process actually end up mentally and emotionally healthier on the other side of that trauma than people who were not allowed to participate. And so I think like similarly, when we have, you know, really big emotions, um, anger being one of them, like if we can move those through our bodies um, and out of our bodies in a healthy way, that at least for me is really helpful to come back to like a more level-headed mm. place and make decisions not out of anger, but out of like taking it all in and assessing it in maybe a healthier yeah. way. Yeah, I'm the same way um, about there are a lot of times where I've like written a yeah, paragraph good. <laughs> about something and then I just go ahead and delete all of that yeah it's a good like, journaling it's a good experience you get it out and you can process it and then nobody else has to see it um, and whether that's like handwriting or typing something um, I feel like that's really helpful to me another thing is just like a deep breath uh, mm -hmm. that's just like a really tangible thing it's something I try to teach my kids too is like put your hand on your belly and breathe in and push it out. And like, and another thing for me is naming it. Like there will be something. So it can be like a small thing, you know, like all of a sudden my, my kids are all, you know, having meltdowns at the same time. And, you know, the garbage disposal isn't working. Like it could be something, you know, like domestic like that and all of a sudden it's just like I feel it like I'm angry mm -hmm. right <laughs> and naming it you know because I think something that um I don't really deal with but I know um and actually our former host Shannon Evans wrote a piece about this but how she has has felt an internalized anger is to push it down so when she feels angry, she just kind of ignores it or pushes it down and down and down. Um, and I think, and she talks about how that's not really unhealthy mm -hmm. either. So it's not healthy to fly off the handle. It's also not healthy to ignore it. <laughs> um, and so for me, like naming it, like, okay, I'm really angry right now. I feel like I'm upset about this. What am I upset about? what can I do right now? And usually, you know, you can't always escape. And so just like trying to, to breathe at least will bring your heart rate down a little bit. You know, like we have some of those physiological responses to just like, okay, my feet are on the ground and I'm breathing and we're going to make it to the next thing. You know? 
Yeah. One of the things I used to work um, in the summers at a camp for kids with PTSD who had experienced trauma. And one of the things that we used to teach the kids is like your emotions are like visitors and they're going to knock on the door. And if you let them in, they will eventually go. Um, And that's how I often think about those emotions is like, okay, if I just acknowledge it, just let it in. Like, you know, like you're saying, Kayla, breathe go for a walk, be with it, it will eventually leave. Like you're not going to be angry forever. But I think sometimes, especially if it's something that we feel really intensely, it can be scary because you do think like, oh my gosh, if I if I feel this feeling, mm-hmm. I'm going to feel this way always or I'm going to feel it too much or something like that. And, you know, most of the time that's not the case at all. So one of my sisters has a similar, um, like one of the nuts has a similar thing about like letting it in and yeah she says it a little bit differently she says like letting the emotion whether it's anger or another strong emotion in and kind of being like um treating it like a visitor and saying like oh this is here and almost like watching it like just being like oh like Mm. I feel this in my stomach now like I feel this in my shoulders now like huh like this is making me like clench my shoulders in or like I feel stuff in my shoulders that's what I'm thinking of or you know this is making like my stomach feel like nauseous or tense like huh that's interesting and kind of like recognizing it but almost like like being an observer to it like oh now this is what this is doing um and I'm really bad at doing that but I think it's a really interesting way to approach it. Yeah, I as I was preparing, um, I did some reading and I was reading like, well, what do people smarter than me say about this? Because I know like <laughs> my what I like my hot takes are on anger, but like what other people <laughs> say. And so um, I did some reading in psychology today and they said that healthy anger demands reflection, the capacity to pause and assess whether the threat we feel is real and eminent to determine the urgency of the situation and to respond appropriately and constructively. And so I think that just like totally echoes Gina, what you were saying and Lindsay, what you were saying too. Yeah. So I have a question. What do you guys do? So I think like whenever you ask that question, Kayla, I I think my first response was, my first inclination was to respond based on how angry I get over so many like injustices. So I think like the way that I react to anger when I'm just angry about something like something happened at work yesterday, for example, and I came home and I talked to my husband about it. And so I, I know kind of how I deal with my own anger um, in ways that that are healthy for myself. But how do you guys manage being angry or do you guys manage or do you guys get angry a lot over the things of the world that, you know, I remember whenever I was first interested in, in um, becoming a host, one of the question was, one of y'all's mm-hmm. questions was what keeps you up at night. So how do you manage that kind of anger? Mm-hmm. Is it the same? I think I'm like continually angry about injustice. <laughs> I mean, okay, I don't, yeah. right, okay. like, I, it doesn't go away, but like, I think we're talking like there's two different types of anger. There's like a anger against the systems and like the oppression and the evil of the world. Like we should be angry about right. that. We should be saddened. Um, if we're not, then I feel like we got to take that up with God. Like that should make, there are things that are happening that should make us angry, but then there's also a type of anger kind of like where it like floods your whole body. 
and you can't like function and you're like right. super, super angry. Maybe only me and Lindsay feel this way. <laughs> um, but that, that's when like some of these like kind of, you know, a coping mechanism is not the right word, but ways to like move out of that like intense feeling. Right. But there is a constant, um, you know, heartbreak and anger about the, um, the the things that we see in the news every day um and i think that's that's what fuels us into action and that's what fuels us into prayer and that's what fuels us into community with each other um and and believe that there is this kind of upside down kingdom and and there is a god who is is compassionate and merciful and just um so i feel like there's kind of like two parts to that that anger that's how, that's what i would say anyway i'm interested to see especially Lindsay, what what you would say to that yeah no i think i agree i was thinking kind of at least that's what you were saying earlier about how you've decided to let the anger propel you to action and to figure out like okay what can i actually do about this thing um i would say that's how i deal with it although obviously we can't do something about everything right and so I think there is also that other side of it which is deciding and or discerning maybe is a better word what we're actually being invited into um because we we can't be all things to all people we can't um Mm -hmm. like jump into every atrocity that we see in our Instagram feed um and so just yeah discerning like what is my work and then committing to that um And like Kayla said, I mean, for me, the community piece is really big and being with other people who are on similar journeys and who are, um, you know, fighting similar injustices is really helpful to not feeling alone and like it's always going to be this way. Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. Just wanted to make sure I'm not the only one angry all the time. (laughs) Perpetually angry. (laughs) No. It's interesting. I've been doing um, the artist's Mm. way this year, I guess. Um, And so for those of you who don't know, it's a 25, 30-year-old book that was written by Julia Cameron. But one of the main pieces, so it's supposed to be for like recovering artists who have gotten out of the habit or whatever. And so the main piece of the book, the main activity is every morning you write three pages um, of just whatever comes to your mind, right? So it's not supposed to be fancy. It doesn't even have to be complete sentences. You just write for three pages. Um, And it was really interesting to me to recognize how much of my um, just stream of consciousness, like literally the minute I wake up in the morning (laughs) is I'm angry about something. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, I hate to say that I'm angry all the time, but it is, um, it's, yeah, it's Hmm. a companion that I've learned to (laughs) Well, it's just nice to know that, that there's like a little distinction between like being just angry that you have to like, like all of those resources that you guys were saying, like these are, this is how I get out of a, like when I'm really like when my body is actually reacting to this, whatever it is that's going on. And then just like a a companion that you're discerning through, like you, like you, uh, like you said. Yeah. And I think, I think Kayla, you know, did a good job of explaining, but like there are those, this is a, a good thing to be angry about you should this is not just this is not right and it angers god um 
And then there's like, I stubbed my toe and it hurt. And now I'm just ticked. Yeah, I you know? wonder if like the word temper could like right. using the word temper could like, or like kind of, yeah. we could signify like, you know, you stub your to- toe and you yell and you get out of control about it. Like that's an anger management issue, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. like when you, you think about our kids, right. We want them to know the distinct, like I want my kids to know the distinction. Like, you invite this and, you know, you're angry at your brother for whatever. And we're going to work through this this way. And also, I want you to know it's fine and good to be angry that things are not right for a lot of people. Um, so you guys are giving me the language to do that. Mm. Well, I just like I, I hear that. And I think yeah. of our restorative justice episode. And then earlier I was thinking about our it's complicated. episode. I just feel all of these conversations are interwoven <laughs> together. You know, like right. you can't and have one yeah, without the other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think the way that I talk about it with my kids is that our and this is like something I got from counseling, but like our emotions um, are messengers and they tell us what we think about a situation. So that works across the board. Like if I get angry because there's people in cages at the border, that tells me what I think about that situation. And similarly, if I get angry because I dropped or I stubbed my toe, that tells me what I think about that situation. So it's giving me information that I can then, you know, like analyze and think through. Um, And yeah, like one is obviously grave and serious and, sinful and the other is like uh just kind of sucks to be a human right now and I stub my toe you know um but I think like yeah thinking through that for me anyway um and it helps my kids too like okay what is this what information is this giving you and then what can you do with that information yeah Lindsay I feel like I used to feel um shame about easily Mm. accessing anger because it was like a negative emotion and like why couldn't I easily access happiness you know what I mean but I'm learning that like God actually like made me this way and I can use it for good or I can use it for not good and so how do I use how I do have access to that for a way that will you know hopefully make the world a better place and hopefully show people God, you know, (laughs) like, like maybe it actually can, like maybe we can sit in that intention and have that. So I want to kind of end our conversation. Um, I was thinking about how the way we view God is the way we view everything (laughs) basically. Um, And there are a lot of Christian traditions that view God as angry Um, and not really like angry at, you know, injustice like what we have been talking about but just kind of like angry at us Mm -hmm. because we're human um and and i thought about psalm 103 8 and it's the lord is merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and i think what is so interesting is that it doesn't say never gets angry but slow to anger and and if we are made in god's image then we too can also work to to be and and with the help of the spirit be merciful and gracious and slow to anger that doesn't mean that we never get angry but we can be like abounding in love and have love fuel everything that we do so any mm. any additions on to that <laughs> No, I love that. That's yeah, a I really that's like a great that too. That's a great yeah. Psalm. 
I just want to plug a book that I read at the end of last year. It's called Sinners in the Hands of a Loving God um, by Brian Zond, Mm. I guess. Yeah. Say his last name. Have you read it, any of you? I have read parts of it. Okay. Um, Yeah, it just really helped me with that idea. Um, I didn't realize that I had internalized an angry God, um, but. Yeah, I had. And so this was a book that just really helped me sort of unpack that and think of God. The whole, like the main point of the book is that Jesus is what God has to say. Um, And so, yeah, just using that as a framework to work through, like God is loving in the way that Jesus is loving and goes along with this conversation but it's a mm, whole book so. yeah that's good we'll add that to the show notes yeah i'll add a book i'm reading currently life of the beloved by mm. henry Nowen, and and that is it that's a, a good one also to just um feel as though we're the beloved mm. gina do you have a book to add before i close off this conversation <laughs> <laughs> i do not have a book to add <laughs> Well, well, I think that's it. I'm really grateful that um, you guys entered into this conversation because uh, I wasn't quite sure what it was going to look like, but I'm hoping it was helpful for me to talk through some of this and to get different perspectives. And um, I hope it was helpful for our listeners too. Yes. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, We just want to remind everyone that um, as the podcast market continues to grow, um, it's super exciting to have all these options, but it also can be kind of hard for listeners to find uh, the Upside Down podcast. So one of the best things you can do to support us is by going to the Apple podcast and leaving a starred rating um, and maybe even just a one minute uh, written review. Um, thank you so much to all of you who have already done that. Uh, you can learn more at UpsideDownPodcast.com or you can find us at Upside Down Podcast on Instagram. You're always welcome to join the Upside Down Together listener group on Facebook to process through this episode or any of the other episodes that we release. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the Upside Down Podcast. New episodes are released on the second and fourth Tuesday of each month. The Upside Down Podcast is created by Lindsay Wallace, Kayla Craig, Elisa Molina, and Gina Siliberto. Our show notes are written by Lana Smith. Johnny Craig and Tess Malone edit the episodes, and our theme music is Dreamers Act by DJ Sean P. And of course, our monthly patrons make everything possible.